several areas of, of Tucker is problematic. One of the things that no one remembers is that, you know, he talks about, well, I grew up in the media business. Well, what did his father do? His father, his father was the media guy for Papa Bush, probably one of the most evil things that ever, um, you know, manifested on this uh, sphere. Yeah, people and, who and know him directly, do? I just want to say this, people who know him directly, Bush, say that he was the most evil person they've ever met. I've heard that from many people yeah. who've worked with him. Experience the groundbreaking advancements of Leela's quantum technology, now backed by over 40 placebo-controlled studies conducted by elite institutions and renowned universities worldwide. This revolutionary technology surpasses previous achievements, as confirmed by prestigious organizations such as the Emoto Institute in Japan. Scientific investigations reveal that Leela's technology not only enhances blood health and circulation, but also neutralizes the adverse effects of electromagnetic fields, expedites wound healing, and elevates ATP production in human cells. Embrace the extraordinary benefits of Leela's tech as recognized and utilized by world-class athletes, esteemed functional medicine practitioners, and leading figures in the field of biohacking. Explore a range of transformative products from the heel capsule, shielding you from harmful EMFs, to the quantum block, allowing you to infuse frequencies into your cherished possessions. Dive into the realm of innovation and wellness at sarahwestall.com shop or by following the link below. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. It's cold in our part of the world, so I got my sweater on. I usually don't wear a nice big thick sweater, but I have to do that today. I just feel cold. It's like 20, God, it was 20 below, I think. Um, high of maybe five. It's it's going to warm up though this weekend, so that's good. But anyways, I have the editor and owner of Logo Sophia Books, and he's the one that's published. I mean, he's an independent publisher. So he's publishing Mary Ann's book on George Floyd. He also published the MK Ultra book with Elisa Weeks, who I interviewed. If you want to see that interview, it's on, it's a, it's a book on uh, what it's like living with alters and having all these different personalities. It's very interesting. If you want to see from the inside what it's like having multiple personalities, you can go to logosophiabooks.com. I'll have the link below, but he has a book that's coming out pretty soon. And it is about, he's done a lot of research on the ritual behind COVID. And he's based it on a, uh, what the Greeks used to do. He says that our civilization has really started from the Greeks. And and so he analyzed and researched their rituals, what they did, and then mapped it to, he says it's an inverted ritual. And it was, but they needed it for their the stuff to do. And, and he talked about, you know, there's rituals that all these football games, Super Bowl games and the Olympics, they do all these rituals, but most of us don't even realize we're just thinking we're watching an entertaining art, you know, some kind of art thing, the theater, when really they're in putting a ritual into it. And of people who research this and look at it have all, all say the same thing. These are rituals. And then there's tied to certain things that they do. So I thought this was fascinating, totally different perspective on what was going on with COVID. And then we talked a little bit about the the independent media and how all these non-independent media, you know, they're not independent. They're coming from mainstream and suddenly taking over the independent space and claiming they're independent. And I always say, you know, we always, we have to have critical thinking skills on this. And I always say your past behavior 
is an indication of what your future behavior is. So if somebody claims they're now independent, you got to question them based on what their past behavior was. I think that they're taking this narrative and they're being giving a softer approach, going to suck people in and then redirect people because they're sensing that there's a big energy shift against them and they want to recapture that. They're very good at it. They're very good at controlling the narrative and the energy of people. And, and they also say that people are very easily manipulated and you know that's what they believe and so just don't be an easily manipulated person just don't be that you don't want to be that and i don't want to be that so anyways we talk about that after we talk about the ritual thing but before we get into this i want to talk about new matrix i have it right here it's in this little nifty box and it comes out it what it does is if you put it on your skin it tricks your skin into believing that you have got a sunburn it's called a niacin flush and this is what the it looks like you just put it on twice a day it's a really they did a really good job with packaging and you put it on and it, it kind of hurts a little bit because it feels like you have a sunburn and then it goes away in like 10 minutes but if you've ever had microneedling that I, i've had that multiple times and you actually it that you need to numb your face because they like, and that really works. So it really builds up your collagen if you do it cons consistently because it takes about four to six weeks and it really starts to work. This you do daily and it has the same effect of going to the spa and doing a treatment like that, but it's a lot less money. So I recommend that people, if you're looking, if you're something that does microneedling or if you go to the spa and you, or if you want to, to, Get your face, you know, deal with the wrinkles, deal with the sagging skin. This will help immensely. People love this. So take a look at it. I'll have the link below. New Matrix. Awesome, awesome new product that I have. Okay, let's get into this really interesting conversation that I have with the editor and owner of Logo Sophia. His name is Stephen Crimi. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the program. Hello, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be be with you and seeing you. I've been, you know, watching you since since we were, you know, since when you were on YouTube as a little girl. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Before I got got beat up. Well, I've been. We've been talking. Before we got a lot, beat up and old. Yeah. Well, you you were a book publisher and you work with a lot of independent right. uh, publishers. So I get. I, we've got to talk over the years, and but you have a book that's out with some really interesting research. And I wanted, I just thought it was something that people would find fascinating. You have been studying COVID as a ritual based on your research. Can you explain that? And then I want to dive into some of the details of it. Right. Well, you know, yes. Yeah, so it just kind of came to me all at once. Um, but my whole um, ballywick is to look at mostly ancient Greece and what has gone on there and see how it pertains to what is going on now, all right? Because it's really the beginning of our civilization is ancient Greece, um, and especially with the people before Plato, um, and they're called the pre-Socratic philosophers, right? And the pre-Socratic philosophers are people like Pythagoras and uh, Empedocles, Parmenides, Heraclitus, those are the most famous ones. And what they, they were mystics, 
right? But what happens after Plato and Aristotle, um, and mostly because this is what Aristotle told everybody, is that they weren't mystics. They were just these like proto-scientists, right? These little children playing, oh, everything is water. Oh, here are the four elements, right? But we know better. And um, that ends up getting translated into, from mysticism gets transferred and becomes rationalism. And uh, the whole trajectory, you can you can read the whole trajectory of our, of our culture in that term. And, you know, we are at a point now, and it began a while ago, that we think that we can get to the real through thought, right? Whereas these ancient pre-Socratic uh, philosophers, Pythagoras, they would have particular practices and they it was called incubation and you would lie absolutely still and you, you've probably done some yoga you know the the shavasana right the corpse pose mm -hmm. right this is basically what it was like and you would lie as completely still as possible and then in that stillness you would go into the stillness of the oneness of being and then from there you would maybe get a visit from the goddess. This is what Parmenides wrote about. And the goddess uh, goes and gives him, tells him about what, what's real, what's not real, etc. So, 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 so my interest and, um, and part of it was with the work with a gentleman named Peter Kingsley, who wrote a book um, called Reality in 2008, and uh, which is a masterpiece in my mind about this, that, um, you know, so, 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 because we feel like, I don't know if you feel like, but I feel like we're at the end of a cycle. It might be at the end of a number of nested cycles, right? The, the American cycle. I, like the, I see it as the beginning of something else, but well, that, that's um, yeah, the, way it has that, to the be. beginning is the end of something, yeah. Except if you're, except if you're of the Abrahamic religions, right? Because they took cyclical time of the Greeks and the Indians, right? And they turned it into linear time. You know, the world became, the world came into existence, you know, you only got this one life and it, uh, and then it ends into this final judgment, right? So, so, so that is a linear postulation, whereas most of the ancients were, were of the cyclical time. They're cyclical disasters. Heraclitus said, um, we have a world ending disaster every 10,800 years, all right, which is an important number. So there's, it, so there's all that stuff is involved in it. Um, so so that's my that's my entry into into a lot of this is to see what went on at the beginning of this particular iteration and see how it applies to the end, because in a certain sense, in a mystic sense, the two ends have to be brought together so that what comes next doesn't repeat the crap of what went before. If that makes any sense, you, to you, you want you want something new to start, but something new that's better. And we well, something to, new that yeah. carries the light, right? Yeah. The light and the oneness and the reality and the you know the, the the mystic wisdom is always the same, right? Right. That doesn't that doesn't change. What changes the expressions of it, you know, and things like that. So in, so I'd much rather have an expression of the sounding note of Western civilization than this closing note, right? Mm -hmm, which is, mm -hmm. which is a, which is at best muddle, you know, and a, and a covering over of, of the wisdom that I think began in the beginning. So that's, that's what I've been writing about. It's my first book, Catabatic Wind is about um, various elements of that thing. So, um, yeah, so COVID comes, COVID comes around the, and um, 
I start writing some blog posts. Uh, uh, my our publishing company is called Logo Sophia Books. The logos and the Sophia together, um, and you know, and I'm I'm writing, you know, basically writing about the masks even before we got to the the injections, you know, and I, you know, I was not, you know, I, not not like my blog had a huge outreach, but um, I was getting attacked as you were and as everyone else who said, you know, look, these masks are stupid. There's a problem with them. It's a problem with this whole thing, right? Um, and um, and I started looking at the aspects of what was being foisted upon us. And it started sounding like the ancient Greek sacrificial ritual. Okay, so, and the ancient Greek sac sacrificial ritual had, you know, specific elements to it. And it was the core religious practice in uh, in ancient Greeks. And, you know, it involved the sacrifices of, of, um, of an animal, sheep, could be a cow, um, very much so. And, um, and in the, in the short explanation, what they did was they would roast it, and then they would share a meal afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then during the sharing of the meal, there would be poetry, songs, maybe athletic contests or something like that. So it was a huge social event. So that was the, the core religious aspect of uh, of ancient Greece. And so... I just started mapping aspects of what was going on. Okay, so I can just kind of give you sort well, they of. Were, a, a let's just, sure. thing, they were pagans, right? I mean, they it was a pagan religion, and they but they sacrificed animals. But did the Greeks sacrifice people too? They were the ones. There was only a couple of places in mythology where it was discussed. Like for example, at the beginning of the of of the ships all ready to go to Troy, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no wind. And so usually if there's no wind going out to sea, somebody's uh pissed off Poseidon. Right. And so so they have to so someone some gun does an oracle and they says, Yep, and Poseidon's really mad because you didn't do this, that, or the other thing. And so then there was so then Iphigenia his daughter ends up being uh, supposedly the one that Poseidon wants to be sacrificed. And in a long story, actually, I get into it in the book, and um, Diana, Artemis, ends up saving her at the end, and she becomes a, a priest of hers. So the Greeks, um, everyone around them was doing human sacrifice, the Scythians, the Celts, um, the Egyptians to a certain extent, um, the Goths, so there, so, so all everybody around. So they considered themselves actually to be the the uh, the people who are holding together the you know something better anyway. So that they weren't doing human sacrifice, and that's a whole long chapter. And and then the chapter about child sacrifice that goes on today. I wrote took me three months, and it it, it took a piece of my soul to I'm write sure that. It, it was does. terrible. Yeah, you know, this human yeah. sacrifice that still goes on today. It's you know, part of their religion is so hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you've had one of our authors, Elisa Eon. Yes. Right. Um, which was wonderful. So so the Greeks weren't that much. Uh, there's very little. There's well, the other curious thing, see, there's there's all there's, there's all side roads, right? The other curious thing is that the difference between the pharmacon and the pharmacos. All right. And so 
pharmacon is the word that we get pharmacy from the pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceutical mm -hmm. industry, right? And the pharmacons was either a drug or a poison. Uh, so you, you know, usually plant-based. And of course, there's people who know those kind of things know there's a thin line sometimes, yeah. you know, between a, a poisonous overdose and a healing dose, right? So they use, so, so, so that was the word and that becomes, a, and then the whole pharmaceutical industry, of course, inverts that and takes it in its, in its uh, mm -hmm. lovely direction, all right? The pharmacos was the scapegoat. And just like um, and in the Bible, they talk about the, the scapegoat, you know, being they heap the sins on the scapegoat and send it out into the wilderness. So the closest thing to human sacrifice the Greeks did supposedly um, was that if there was a some sort of a horrific plague, they would they would pick somebody and they would pick the ugliest person in, in Athens. And um, and this is part of the sacrifice. It's a sort of an inversion to sacrifice because in general, you would only pick the most beautiful animal mm -hmm. that you're going to sacrifice because you're making an offering to the gods. It has to be worthy, right? And this all gets back into the whole George Floyd sacrifice, which I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint to where this is going. Um, so, the, 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 so, so the scapegoat would be like fed for a year on you know like figs and and great stuff and then they would do some sort of ritual and they were either sent out of town some people said they were they were sent off a cliff or sent into the water there's not a lot of information about it because it wasn't a big thing but it would only happen under like you know really difficult circumstances okay so so that's so that so that's the the, the so Greek. they were sort of evolved. I mean, they were more evolved than the people around them, but they still did some of this stuff. Well, it depends on how you look at it, and you can look at a lot of things. You know, um, like in Athens, in each of the city states was different. So in Athens, in particular, like women had a really rough time, yes. but in Sparta they didn't. Right? Yeah, Rome was better for women than than uh, Greece was. Yes, and then certain people like Pythagoras and these pre-Socratic philosophers taught women. Pythagoras, his either his wife or his daughter, her name is Teano. No one, uh, no one's really sure because they, she's referenced as both. Wrote all these mathematical books. She was obviously brilliant, but all that is gone. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you get to the Roman times, the or the only supposed stuff written by Pythagoras's uh, women followers or all these, you know, moralistic stories about how wonderful marriage is and bearing children. Uh -huh. So, you know, that whole that whole thing is goes way back. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I wouldn't call. Greece evil. Because because you had these pockets of people, um, these brilliant, brilliant philosophers who understood what was going on. You know, or Empedocles, one of them, you know, so he was he and Pythagoras, they were vegetarians because they believed in reincarnation and that people came back as animals and you wouldn't want to be eating, you know, your brother in law or something. So, OK, back. so Greece, Greece led to Rome and Rome was um, better when it came to women and things. But did they sacrifice? Um, yes. Look, everybody did. You yeah. you know, the, the Temple yeah. Mount was an abattoir. That's right. I know. I I knew the answer yeah. to that, but I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Right. And so so Greece had some things that were better, but and Rome had some things that were better, but they both were pretty primitive in a lot of ways.
Our world is changing rapidly. Many crucial systems we depend upon are collapsing. And the most important system that is failing is the food supply. But amidst the chaos, there is a path to resilience. I have the great Marjorie Wildcraft coming to the program. People who do not know her, she is kind of like the mother of ultimate preppers. And she's just, she's really good. I've spent decades finding the fastest, easiest, and funnest ways for the average person to be able to grow a lot of food. I used to be a hopeless gardener, but thanks to Marjorie, I'm growing food, and I'm really happy my family has more food security. Marjorie's webinar gave me the confidence to raise and process my own meat. Food production, and Marjorie, I want to thank you for the, the free webinar that you put out there at that website. I've already had uh, you know massive response from people that love your information and how you, you express the joy of learning how to grow food also, and in a small amount of space, when it really counts. So thank you for all that you do, Marjorie. If you go to sarahsbackyardfarm.com, you can sign up for that seminar, that free seminar. I'll have the link below. And so if you have the opportunity, check it out, sarahsbackyardfarm.com, and you will get a ton of free, great information. Well, they did animal sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And and the difference between the Greeks, so in um, the Israelites and um you know the uh, the persians and the uh the canaanites and and the rest of them so when they had a sacrifice they did what was called a holocaust and that means you burned the whole animal to the deity um and yahweh for example and you, i think you've had moro bolino on right moro um, and paul yahweh, wallace yeah yeah so they yahweh his big thing was the scent he wanted the smell and the same thing with hermes in the uh, in the hymn to hermes Somehow, it is the the scent of the the sacrifice that is really pleasing to the gods. That's and, what they thought. So, how does that tie into what you're starting to see as a parallel to COVID, the right. sacrificial stuff? Right. So, so you begin you begin a, and it's an inverted sacrifice, right? What do you mean by Which inverted up, sacrifice? Well, you'll see what I mean. I'll, I'll explain okay. as we go along. Okay, it's um, so so we'll start with the invocation, right? You you would do an invocation, you would do your prayers. If you were sacrificing, you know, to whatever, to Zeus, to Hera, um, to Persephone, you would you would you would you would do something. Certain prayers set the tone, the mood, the vibration of of this sacrifice that you're going to do. And sometimes it was for a purpose, or sometimes it was just you know, just part of, um, you know, celebration. What if the Greeks had something like 345 holidays a year, something like that. Um, they, they didn't fool around, got to like that about them. Anyway, the, um, so, so, so the prayer then, so the anti prayer for the COVID ritual was event 201. Because what was event 201 about? It was all invoking and envisioning what happened. Right. It was it's the exact same thing, but we're yeah. talking about the dark. So we're talking about it as a dark ritual. So Ventua one was an invocation of of the, the COVID things. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So the first thing that comes out is and the first thing everyone gets told, right, is wash your hands. Right. So the second aspect of a ritual or an initiation is you wash your hands, it's called an ablution. 
right, is the word that's generally used, right? It's a ritual washing of the hands. The most famous one, of course, is Pontius Pilate, right? When he washes his hands clean of the crucifixion mm -hmm. of the Christos, right? Mm -hmm. So so that's that's a very famous one but that's you know but it's part so he's 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 doing it in another way but in general this is what you do you do some sort of cleansing you know the muslims they they get and they they wash their hands and their feet every time they go to the mosque mm -hmm. and their face right they they do mm -hmm. they do that ritual washing okay um you know there are ritual cleansing like the baptismal font i grew up i grew up as a, in a roman catholic church in new york city so um so that was a big part of my upbringing. So, so, so the ablution is the first thing you did. What's the first thing we hear? In fact, is really is really funny. There's this very sweet Baptist church down the block from us. Where we live in North Carolina now, in Asheville, and it, um, you know, that every church down here has a sign. I don't know if that's true by you, but they have one of those little signs where they, you know, put in the words, and it's usually, you know, so this one was God loves you wash your hands right in front of the church you know so so that was you being told but you weren't told to wash your hands with water which is which is the water of life you know the cleansing water you know the, the, you can say all wonderful things about water we don't live without water obviously right yeah. you know you can go without food for a really long time you can only go without water for you know a few days at best so so not only were you told to not wash your hands with water, but wash your hands with this chemical gel that all had all these, you know, was it Purell or whatever the hell it was, mm -hmm. you know? So you're washing your hands with this toxic stuff. So again, so this is what I mean by an inversion, taking an aspect of the ritual, of, an, of, of, an, of a regular ritual, of a, of a, of a what we'll call a sacred ritual, and then, you know, turning it upside down and making it toxic, okay? So that makes sense? Yeah, so far, yeah. Okay. So then the next aspect of the Greek ancient ritual was called the processional. Um, Pompey, pomp, as, as in like pomp and circumstance, right? Mm -hmm. So they would walk through the, the city and walk, dance, sing. There'd be, you know, flute players and lyre players and all this sort of stuff. And there'd be poetry and they'd be singing, dancing. They make their way up to the temple precincts. And the temple precincts was where the actual sacrifice would take place. Right? And so in this processional, you know, there, like I said, there'd be dancing. There would be, it was like the community gathers. Mm -hmm. Right. So what's the first, the next step after the washing of the hands? Right. Social distancing. Right. Social distancing. Six feet apart on lines. Everything. All this without any medical evidence whatsoever. All right. So so this um, what else? You know, staying apart, staying at home, not going does, out into the community. How does that relate to what they did as a ritual? The opposite. Instead of getting going out into the oh, city okay. and being, you know, you're stuck in the house. You can't meet people. Right. You 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 were you were stuck you know you weren't allowed to see people weren't allowed to watch you know see grandma sick in the hospital, um, this everything whole thing is inverted is what you're saying everything is exactly this, okay, right so so instead of this gathering and this processional and this movement, <clears throat> excuse me I don't talk much, um, the the opposite happens there's separation you know and you think about 
you know, remember there was this famous thing with all like the um, the Italians singing opera from the windows, right? When they were locked in, I don't know if you remember that, all right? So that part of them had to express themselves, right? Yeah. You know, that that it was so stifled and they just said, screw you, we're going to sing from the friggin' windows, you know? Um, they did that in China so, too. You saw a lot of the people outside yes. of the, yeah. Yeah, they, they were freaking bolted into their house. Yeah, it was terrible, yeah. You know, so, 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 so this stage of the processional, again, the inversion of it, we can't process, we can't move, we can't go out, we're, we're, we're stuck inside, okay? Um, then, so they would gather and then they would go into the temple precincts, right? And um, so, uh, and then the most... The, 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 they would already have been chosen, the animal, the most beautiful chosen. Actually, the animal is part of the procession, whether it's a cow or, or a goat, um, you know, depending on, you know, how much money was behind it, you know, and that coward goat. And so what happens, so then they, they do the, they like the sacrificial fire and the animal's um, throat is slit. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they take part of the blood, and then what happens is, and and then the 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 there are it, the there is a separation, and this goes back to um, something from Hesiod, the um, um, the tale of of how there's two tales of how the sac- the origin of the sacrifice, and in this tale, um, a certain amount is separated and offered to the deity, and usually, actually, the worst parts. And the uh, the best the, the the best food is portioned out and then served to the people there. And then some of it was sent to other places in the city. Some of it was sold by the temple. Um, but the whole community, the whole city, pretty much all the meat they ate came out of these sacrifices. Okay, so as opposed to you know, I mean, all the meat that we, at least I eat meat um, comes out of. Um, at least you know we have a we have a, a butchery here that that takes local farm animals, mm-hmm. and yep. um, and that's really nice to have that you know quality of meat and the consciousness behind, you know, because it all comes out of sacrifice. There's nothing. That's right. I mean, we're killing animals, so it is what it is. Uh, it's just yeah, whether you treat them too. a little bit humane. I like to have grass fed pasture raised meat so that the the animals are treated more humane but it's better for us too because it doesn't have the stress hormones it doesn't have the the antibiotics or the vaccines or it's so much better for you but but it's we're still killing an animal it's still yeah well we're killing a plant every you know i mean everybody ancients know you have to understand it's that's that's what life requires yeah some kind of death yeah you know um so so this was so the death of these animals was ritualized. It was quick, and you know, as uh, as someone once said, I told me they have one bad day, right? Or like really just a bad moment, you know. Yeah. But you know, the rest of it, I mean, because you know, they get really dark. They get adrenochrome, also well, from from animals yeah. that they kill. They do do and that, that's, yeah. That's but you, but to do that, you have to stress them out, and you have to that's exactly traumatize that's what I'm saying. them. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Yes. It's awful, but but even on as you say the the you know uh, post or before Temple Grandin, they're the ones that use. They're the only ones that kind of 
humanized or you know eased up the the, the suffering of the cattles um yeah all of it has that aspect to it so you said so, so you stay away from that as much as possible and we're lucky here we have a butchery that we can go to you know that has local farm animals and i have a few friends also you know so who have did, farms yeah which is great so, but how does this tie then into the covid ritual okay so the covid so what is the sacrifice then so what is the inverted sacrifice of the covid ritual and of course it's the death of george floyd on may 25th 2020 in i guess you still live in right i'm in the twin in your in, your, in yeah. your city right yeah right so you live through that we and, all live through that but i saw the city burn for three days it was terrible no exactly exactly so George Floyd, of course, so in the inversion aspect of this, George Floyd, to all vision, but not to actuality, but the the, the myth that this that George Floyd is based on is that he was choked. It was it was again of the throat, except it was bloodless. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas in the Greek sacrifice, you would slit the throat. But in, in the sacrifice of 2020, George Floyd was was strangled by the throat accordingly. Accordingly, of course, the autopsy, as some of us knew from the beginning, uh, told a different story. Yeah, I mean, he but died that of a wasn't drug the story that wanted to be told. But yes, the narrative is that he was choked. Right. So I'm saying. So I think it, it's patently obvious from the beginning, from the 201 on through this, that this was a intentional inverted sacrifice. George Floyd was a clear sacrifice to enable what happened afterwards. So in the aftermath of the Greek sacrifice, again, there'd be a meal, there'd be communal meal, there'd be dancing, there'd be singing, poetry, recitations of, of classic works, things like that, right? And um, yeah, I'm gonna guess some wine was involved too. And um, what happened after George Floyd was instead a community outpouring of not togetherness, but separation, anger, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the, the, and the sacrificial fire came after the sacrificial fire was your city going down and, and many other cities, um, you know, with, with, with you know, Washington um, and certainly uh, on the West Coast um, where, you know, the places yeah, where anti-Portland was, was yeah. very much, you know embedded already so so the community became this anti-community this community this hate violence rather than the community works the the violence of the sacrifice is is something that the community shares in and and then they work that through instead of in the way the inverted way that that happened in the, in the uh, the summer of 2020, all right, where all this was going so, on. So you think that that was the ritual that brought in COVID, like the culmination the COVID, of the ritual. The COVID, COVID was, was there. Was COVID more of a? Um, was there more to it that made it ritual, or was this the ritual that brought in COVID? That well. Yeah. So the end of the ritual. Yes. Yeah, so the end of the ritual is to bring in the vaccines and to have this um, 
this gene-altering substance within us. And we've been breathing it in from chemtrails since the 90s, and it's it's all part of us. So, you know, so it, it all affected us in some way. And, uh, and But the people who took the shot, and especially the ones that got to the booster, were the ones that are affected most. And I think, I don't know, most people that I know know people that went down from the vaccines that went down from the supposed COVID, which was, That's right. if it's anything, it's a flu. Yeah, most people die are dying now from the vaccine. So how, what made you think to even look at this as a ritual? Um, it was actually a download. It just kind of came to me. Okay. It came to me and and the, the book is titled Hermes Runs the Game, right? which is, I don't know if you know, there's a, an old blues song maybe from the late 50s, by someone named Jackson C. Frank called Blues Runs the Game, right? And uh, a lot of people um, like Nick Drake and uh, you know, a lot of, everyone has covered that song. Yep. Um, it's just like one of, the, one of the stanzas. I don't know if you've heard of it, but anyway. It's, so um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so, so right, so. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so go ahead, say something, because then, then I'll remember. Okay, well, I was just wondering what convinced you that it was a was a sacrifice, and then what would you pretty much answer? But then, what did you learn that was kind of shocking along the way? That wow, I didn't even you know as you started doing this research. Okay, well, yeah. So what I haven't talked about because the title of the book is Hermes Runs the Game, is that Hermes. As the the Greek god Hermes, he's not Hermes Trismegistus, which is a later iteration. Um, Hermes was the was the psychopomp. He's the guide of souls. He was the uh, he's a trickster. He was the deity of travel. He was the deity of borders. All right. He's he's the deity of technology. Right. When Mercury is retrograde, don't buy a computer. You know, don't get involved. Don't do contracts. Right. He's the he's the deity of communication. He's the deity of the crossroads, that crossroad um, deal that uh, that often gets that often gets made. Um, deity of, of commerce. He's the patron of thieves, um, tricksters, gamblers. But and and he's the deity of the agora. So all these aspects thread through the whole ritual, the sacrificial, and and in the uh, the um, Homeric hymn to Hermes, Hermes invents the sacrifice as like on his first day as a toddler. He steals Apollo's cows, and um, runs off, and then actually invents the sacrifice, invents fire too on the way too. So I'm just looking. So Hermes. Because I think I thought I think a lot about Hermes and Gemini. Um, uh, Hermes is the ruler of the is the ruler of of Gemini, and I'm a Gemini, so I think a lot about that duality and all the um, the false dichotomies that we are faced with all the time that that people just get stuck on, you know, Republican Democrat and et cetera, left et right. And I actually think there's a freedom versus not freedom. That's kind of top down, and that's really what we're looking at. That's an that's a, that's an interesting question, and we can talk about that too. Um, in fact, I have a quote from my book that that kind of goes into that. If I want, if you get time to read it, um, anyway. Yes. So I'm so I'm watching, and Hermes is involved in every aspect of this. 
right in the greek sacrifice the, the the commerce aspect of it the 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 traveling aspect of it you would you know you would invoke hermes if you were traveling somewhere um and then the the uh the language and the communication and the singing and all that sort of stuff so it all funds uh falls under the um the umbrella of hermes and so and all of a sudden i just got this like the thing that just came to me all at once Hermes, the sacrifice, the COVID, and uh, involved in it. And basically the writing of the book, which is um, just about three years into it, and just kind of got the mop-up phase going, um, th that was just unraveling what kind of just like, you know, came into me and in sort of what's sometimes called a packed thought form just came into me all at once. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, well, let's see how this works. It just, you know, just came. Everything uh, everything just comes to me. I'm not like really. No, no, that's it. good. The, uh, I think a lot of people experience that. So, what about the people who were behind this? Makes you think they were behind a ritual? Do, do you right. think, well, you because, think it was on purpose, right? And these people. Right. What about these people? I mean, why would they do a ritual? Well, to entrap everybody, because the. Um, because really, because yes, there's the sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice, of course, is us, right? This, this, is, this is what the ritual leads to. Now, the question is, who's behind it? Well, of course, we've seen this. You see it before. We, everyone knows about Hollywood and the Super Bowl rituals mm -hmm. and the... Um, be interesting to see what's the uh, whatever rituals they do for the uh, Olympics in Paris this summer. If you know, if we get to it, you know, um, you know, every one of those. The, the London was it 2010, I guess it was Olympics 2012. You know that whole. I don't know if you saw that whole ritual with Russell mm -hmm. Brand doing the Mad Hatter and the Pied Piper thing, and all these kids in these hospital beds. I mean, it was it was a complete, you know, revelation of the method of what's coming up. Um, so the, the rich, so, so rituals are very important rituals bring in a certain energy and that energy, depending on who's doing the ritual, I mean, you know, Catholic mass is a ritual, right? Mm -hmm. And you're yeah. trying to bring in the Christ energy into this, into this wafer that that gets passed around and supposedly that you know will imbue you with something all right that's the catholic ritual all right um you know and so this for, for the greeks was a sacred ritual you know you, you you kill the animal in a community you share the meal and you know it brings everybody together sort of on the same page so the same thing with this dark inverted ritual and it's the same but it's, it's much more elaborate um than you know than say a super bowl you know with with um you know wardrobe malfunctions and the rest there's um so this is very elaborate and everybody gets hooked into it why because it's repeated over and over and over again this is how this is how you codify it you know and the media re repeat it and this is what they talked about in event 201 everything coming you know we have to get the message out we have to find uh credible people to talk about it and we're going to repeat it over and over again. And this codifies it within everybody's sensorium so that still today it is really hard to break that spell. 
you know, it's a spell. And I would contend the spell first came down on 9-11 for this general, you know, for your, our generation, right? And that was another spell. And it was a media spell. And, you know, anybody with perception will note that there's no plane at the Pentagon. There's no 20-ton engines. There's nothing there. There's no bodies. There's nothing. Yet, everyone will say that. How did that happen, right? It, it was a mantra said over and over and over again. Right. And to go against that, you know, is to go against the whole community. Well, the same thing with COVID, right? You know, those of us I was the only one in in the in the in the supermarket without a mask. Yeah, I felt right? that too. I was like only one in our city. So when you look at this, uh, these people are nuts, right? That they would actually do a ritual and well, they would force it on all of us. They have to have a lot of power to do that mm -hmm. and a lot of control mm -hmm. over the media. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that you write about and that you talk about is this shift in the media. There's an obvious change and operation going on with the media mm -hmm. right now. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you're seeing I, as an operation? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love yeah. to. But I need to just kind of tie a bow on the other thing. Okay, go ahead. If I can, if I yeah. can. Um, because you have to understand also what's called the original sacrifice. And you know, and if you believe in 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 the God's divine, right? Mm -hmm. You have to. God is one, whole, absolute, and of course, every time you you put an adjective onto God, you limit God. You know, even if you call God absolute, you're still limiting God, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. But if you've had that, if you've if you've been lucky enough to have had that experience of the divine. You, um, first of all, in order to get to, to do that, it's like you can't, you have to be gone. You have to, you disappear, even if it's for a short time, because you can't have both. You can't have absolute oneness and you watching absolute oneness, right? It's yeah, silly. Yeah. So, yeah. so that has to happen. So, but the divine, in order to become us and this world that we perceive, Right, this world of our senses and our world of experience, divine runs through us, and and in order to become the world of experience, has to divide, right? Has to become the many. The one has to become the many, and that is the original sacrifice. And what the mystics say, and I agree with, is that there is at that base of the oneness of being is a longing. And that's the longing of the divine to manifest, right? And all our longings are, you know, lower level versions of that same thing. And the way I see it and experience it. Okay, so I just want to tie a bow on the on the sacrifice and realizing that all sacrifice comes from that one, the sacrifice of the divine into the manifest, which is us. All right. So, so we need so so understanding that we can see how you want to usurp the sacrifice that certain people and then the powers behind that people and then what I'm going to say is dark forces. Sometimes I like to use the word archon um, behind them. Uh, John Lamb Lash says archons are like a, our mind parasite, and I think that's the best thing I can. That's, that's as good as explanation as any. So I think 
I think the archons who love suffering, pain, fear, that's their food, right? They're not in this world, but they're in our heads and experience and can get, get intertwined in our experience. And those are the things that they feed off of. That's coming, that's, I have to have come to that conclusion so that the people who we're calling people who, who are hardly even people anymore are controlled on that level, you know, on the level, on the level of um, malevolent beings. Hmm. Okay, does okay. that make sense? Yeah. So that's 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 how I see it. So it's not. And I have friends arguing. Me, no, it's a human thing. Well, they're not humans anymore. You Interesting. Know. Okay. Well, and and the, you document the history and how you map it to the rituals from ancient Greece to today, and people can get a lot more historical perspective when they read your book. Yeah. Well, I you know it's a lot of detail. Yeah. So it's you know several hundred pages and. A lot of beautiful art. Oh, that's um, good. I always like the um, beautiful imagery. Yeah, a lot of um, you know Greek vases, and I, I have to be very fond of the pre Raphaelite painters, Evelyn de Morgan, things like that. So they're in there. Um, so to get, go ahead. No, so let's talk about how you see what's happening in the media and mm -hmm. how this all ties in. Well, you could you could you know you know because these forces and the people that work through them very sophisticated and they've yeah, been running this yeah. game for who knows how long right yeah, yeah and so they they know what's coming and they play both sides they play both sides and you know so now some people are kind of onto it and they'll call it the uniparty and what and what have you they see that but you can see right at the beginning of the alternative you know, the alternative podcasting and things like that, which, you know, you were probably, you know, you were one of the, one of the, the, the first out there, you and you've been doing this for a real long time. Um, you could see people showing up and all of a sudden there'd be, you know, you have a million subscribers, right? You know, like overnight. Uh, yeah. Like out of the blue, right? there's like the most popular person. Yep. Right. And, it, and you can, we can name names. There's a whole bunch of them. Right. And then, and, and so you can see, who's being put out there, whether they have that many viewers or not, you know, who knows, um, you know, like Chris and I have a, uh, a YouTube channel where we put up videos of our, of our teacher, of our yoga teacher. We had conversations with him and he's, he died. He's another casualty of this whole COVID thing. And, um, you know, what do we got? I, I don't know. Maybe we've got like 102 subscribers or something like that you know and we think that's great wow 102 people watch this thing right so you know but i'm not looking to make a living off of it you know i'm I'm much more interested in losing money publishing books so anyway so so the control system plays both sides of the game and right now you can see that you know so while the preponderance of the whatever consciousness of people is has moved to the right because of the absolute horrific things of the look, starting with really the George, the whole George Floyd event, which yeah. is a whole you know left Marxist I, event. I don't like left right because I think it's more no. freedom versus non freedom. Okay, but, but yeah, I think you know what I mean. The left right, I think, is a is a well a dichotomy that's set up to purposely divide us. I and, agree. 
Yeah, but it is, it's real. I mean, people see it this way, so it's hard not to talk in those terms because well, people can relate to it. Well, as you know, uh, I call it Blantifa, okay, BLM plus Antifa. Yeah. So Blantifa run by avowed Marxists. Yep, right? yep. You know, and and then on the other side, you've got the Yahwehists and anyone who knows anything about Old Testament knows that Yahweh's like not interested in human freedom either, right? You, you're right. Not, Yahweh, not in there. There's there's other people, religious scholars that look at it, and Jesus came and didn't like Yahweh. Jesus said Yahweh is not could he? to be followed. Yeah, Jesus was he, right? about freedom. Jesus he said, was yeah. liberated us. He really, he really did in he, his teaching. He said, right? Yeah. He said, um, you know. You say an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. You know, I say, you know, if someone hits you, turn the other cheek, et cetera. Someone has no coat, give him yours, et cetera, et cetera, right? Fantastic teachings, right? So how could the father of Jesus and 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 the and and Yahweh the Bible, who is a, as we know it's a plural noun anyway, um be the same? And someone named Marcion in the year 100 was saying that, right? Um, but, you know, all that. But then once the Romans, of course, grasped onto the Christian church, they forced the Old Testament back in there. And that's a whole that's a whole other story, probably best told by somebody else. So yeah, you have all these people. Yeah. So you have well, all the these Old Testament is, is kind of messes up Christ's message, in my opinion. But it's, it's an interesting story. But keep going. You can't have both. They should have no. ditched it right if they were interested in Christ's they teachings. Can't. Because when I hear preachers, they're only quoting the Old Testament. Yeah, well, because Jesus didn't like him. He came to reform that, and he did. He said, that's not how things are. And so followers of Jesus doesn't, they, they shouldn't follow that. But anyways, they do. And, yeah. But yeah, and there, as and there we are... dive into it and understand what, what was behind that there's some pretty interesting things like when i just had paul wallace on to talk about yahweh and how the people mm -hmm. back then didn't like yahweh either and then jesus came and said the yahweh is not god this is ridiculous so uh i i loved that interview if people want to see that they really need to he's a religious scholar yeah i know I've great. maro biglino says the same stuff mm -hmm. yeah and i think these guys are these are on the money about you know about what happened and you know and you know if you're a follow if you're a follower of jesus i think you really want to get to the reality of jesus you know some somehow and yeah. if you are you know if you're a follower of yahweh you might be interested in realizing who yahweh really is and i've just really, finished yeah. reading more Bellino's book so yeah, you know, it's just, fresh in just... my mind just great books and and Paul Wallace and Mario Binglino I've been uh, paving trails and so like everybody else it's difficult if you're mm -hmm. if you're the messenger sending a message that people don't want to hear it's always very difficult but you know this is something I've never told anyone before but when I was little and growing up I my family was very religious you know my mom's a Eucharistic minister my dad was always a senior warden we had to go to church every set Sunday and I had to accolade every other weekend. I mean, we we're just really into that. And I always felt that there was some kind of, it just didn't feel right. Like it was evil. Like there was some evil, like religion felt evil to me, but Jesus always felt like pure love. 
And uh, I don't, I don't know why I got here about, I'd hear Jesus and talk about it. I just feel really good. You know, I'd feel really good. And then we get back into the religious ceremonies and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this feels bad to me. I never knew why I was little. I didn't know, but that was always how I felt. I wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't good. And now as I learn more, I'm starting to figure out why I actually felt that way. Mm -hmm. Especially as a, as a child, mm -hmm. you, you, Children especially catch on to mm -hmm. catch on to these things where um, hip hypocrisy, right? Yeah. And yep. I, and the thing is, the priesthood of every religion, and I by that I mean every, um, is deception. There's deception at the heart of it, and I think that's what you're picking up on. There's a deception there, whereas the core of every revealed religion. It has to be revealed from a divine source and, you know, wh whichever it is. And it gets, it usually starts off okay and then it gets distorted. Fairly. Well, they weaponize it. They turn it into a control mechanism instead of what the real message is. Because the real message right. of Jesus is absolutely beautiful. It's it's all about freedom. And if you, if you love something, you set them free, right? And if you come for, with love and love is in your heart, you don't want to control and manipulate them. You want to set them free. How could you? How could it, you? It, doesn't, fact, it doesn't coexist. Yeah. And in, in fact, if you if you love someone, you have a mist, you know, in the deepest sense, it's a mystical union. And mm -hmm. it's like anything else. If you have the experience of oneness, how can you go around hating yourself? I mean, yourself is everywhere. Right. I mean, that's that's. You know, that's very much mystical experience, right? So how so you don't have room for that, you know, and I think that's one of the things that's, you know, at the core of, of, of Christ's message. Um, so let's get into this different so, topic. So this is absolutely, I mean, this is a great topic, but let's get into the topic of the media, because I know it's something that means so, a lot to you, and you've emailed me and writ, wrote about it multiple times. This well, independent media that's not independent and that they're right. taking and changing the narrative. Can you talk about it? Because it's very obvious to most of us, but not to the general public. So. Right. Well, the thing is, and so so the side, uh, the, um, the manipulative side of certainly the church I grew up in, and I think most of Christian churches, um, that goes against... Jesus's message is the idea of salvation, the idea of salvation from without, not so, not the salvation of take up your cross and follow me, you know, where you have to do, you have to do the work, you have to do the inner work. It's not like I just believe in bingo, there I am, you know, one of the 144,000 saved, God bless you. So, so that, so, so, but that is so ingrained in us. Well, so, you know, whether it's looking for the space aliens or the, the indigo children, or I mean, just watching one after another, you know, who, who's going to save us, right? Trump, right? Everybody's always looking for a savior. So that, that's, that's a deception that, that, that's ingrained in with us. So, you know, so we find somebody that says the, the right thing. So here's the so example. So we'll start with Elon Musk, the biggest the biggest fish in the tank. Um, so Elon Musk, of course. So he's takes over Twitter. He's he's developing brain chips and and neural nets and things to interface it with computers. I mean, he's not making a he's not hiding it. Um, he's making these things, and meanwhile, you know, he buys Twitter, changes the name, and, and with the avowed purpose of making 
to use the uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, the one the one app to rule them all. This is what he wants. This is, this is his intention. Of course. He's, well, but he's, he's a business. But but he's he's never. That's what he always wants to do. He wants to create the biggest, right. most powerful company, and in any space and industry he's in, he wants to take over. Right. I mean, that's and, well, how they all think, right? So just assume. Right. That's but he's, he's not thinking. even. But he's a creation, like Bill Gates, I like know. You know, I, like I, like yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, right? They're all DARPA esque creations, right? And they didn't. They didn't. They, they became what they are because they were allowed to become and made what they are. So so what I'm saying about Elon Musk, Elon Musk to me right now is the Pied Piper, right? Everyone is going in to change his name to X, right? And then isn't that curious that disease X is like the big X coming around the corner, you know? This is not, this is all intentional. This is all a setup. This is all another kind of ritual that that they're foisting upon us, all right? So, so Elon Musk, under the, the guise of freedom. Now, if you know, if you talk to people who have actually worked with him, not people that work for him, like uh, Dave Rubin or something like that, um, it's it's he doesn't give a damn about freedom. Mm. He doesn't give a damn about freedom of speech. Well, he, I, I just but was in Texas. Useful. Yeah, but hold on, I was just in Texas, okay. and one of the people there that we were working with, my daughter is moving there, and and we we're talking to salespeople and people you know just talking to people and tesla is there now right in austin and what he does is he he hires like 500 people or he hires masses of people and then he fires almost everybody except the cream of the crop and so i was talking to people how they come down there they get their apartments they buy new furniture they get all reestablished mm -hmm. and then like two mm -hmm. months later they're fired and it's just how he operates. He fires people in mass on an ongoing basis. I understand from a business perspective how you would want to quickly get go through and get your best employees and get rid of people who aren't performing, but you want to vet them better, right? You don't want to put people through that horrible situation, but he doesn't anyways. They don't care. That's just part of right. their process. And right. most people well, don't like that. I mean, firing people feels bad. And so you no, want to do the around. best you can up front to hire the best you can. So you're not putting, you know, creating that, that emotional trauma all the time. Right. It's always around Christmas, too, you know. Um, right. So so can you imagine Mike Lindell doing something like that? Right. You know, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. You know, so but the, the point being that what everyone is saying about him, about Elon Musk, he's interested in freedom. It's it's useful right now for him to be, you know, seen as this. You know this this great um, prophet of, of 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 freedom of speech, and everyone is flocking to X. So all of a sudden, within the last year, right, all any friend who sends me something, it's from X now, right? Mm. People used to send me stuff from all over the place, you know. And then, as as someone who used to do a lot of research, told me, oh yeah, no, I just get everything from X now, all right. So this is this to me is the whole Pied Piper thing, right? So so I I don't. I don't buy it for a second that he really cares about people, cares about cares about human freedom, freedom of speech, or any of that. So he's he's I think the leading one because he's just trying to get everybody hooked in to his app. Yeah. Um, 
and and then and and eventually that app is going to have a brain interface you know and you know oh sarah you know i think your blood pressure is a little high i think we're going to have to uh you know do this you're going to have to send some of these um you know manufactured electrolytes through your system or something right um so so this is this is the future as as i think he wants it all right because as you know the whole environmental movement and this goes back to francis bacon is control of the environment it has nothing to do with saving the environment or anything like that. And control of you through it, control your thermostat, control your refrigerator, control of what you wear. And eventually, you know, I'm I'm sitting in a house with a beautiful wood stove burning, right? And I'm, you know, I'm waiting for that other shoe to fall, you know, that they're going to say, no, sorry, you know, too much carbon. Well, a lot of people so, think Elon yeah. Musk is this hero that's coming. And obviously mm -hmm. you're seeing through it. You're trying to say, hey, he's not our hero. He's a false idol is what you're really saying. He's a false yeah. idol. And be careful because the Bible warns us and our history warns us about false idols. But he's not the only one, right? There's multiple. Right. Well, yeah. His, his, and, his, and, and again, it's salvation from without, right? You know, Elon, yeah, yeah. Elon Musk is going to save us. Versus right? internally, you know? which is what, yeah. where salvation really lies. There isn't this See, savior. I always say Christ consciousness is what's coming back, meaning something with inside of all of us is what's right. going to come back. Right. right. So it's not freedom to or freedom of, it's freedom within. All right. Freedom yeah. within freedom circumstance, within. freedom yeah. within your life. So I always, that's how I like to delineate. It's always freedom within. That's the the baseline most important freedom so i was listening to actually uh amazing polly just did yeah, something did a great show yeah i i just about this her. yeah i told her it was great so you saw that yeah you know yeah. we've been supporting her for a long time she's great you know but um and then i was interested to hear her say she's not afraid to do it which she went she went first and i don't know if i want to do this but she did it and it was it was good right well yeah. she talked about brett weinstein and uh, the other guy, the other PhD who calls himself a doctor, which is um, Coleman. Uh, it wasn't a Coleman. I, I thought it was a could be. Uh, and I and, and either way, you know, but they're but Canadians, these, yeah. right? But but, but they again, were they were both they were both pushing yeah. the COVID narrative hard. Exactly, as was Jordan Peterson. Jordan yeah. Peterson, just shut up and get the shot, so I can so I can travel. All right, so these these people are um, rather self centered, um, but. But but I agree with her, and and even from from the beginning, when the first time someone told me about Brett Weinstein, I listen to this guy, you know, you you learn something about equivocation. Um, but what does it say about I Tucker did, Carlson? Because so, he's the one interviewing all these. She guys. didn't talk about Tucker, but I do, and other people have. Um, so what's the, what's the issue with Tucker? Besides the fact blew up where did he blow up he blew up on x right he you know i mean he, he was, was all, popular he was really hard i mean he was the most popular mainstream media host in at the time when he right was, yeah right but but, but not, not as many 70 million, as you. 80 million yeah this is yeah. right he's getting what you 35 know, I watched, times yeah right i mean we watch these this our favorite our favorite like you know, downtime channel is is these these Azerbaijani people who just like make some sort of massive dish every day out cook outside? They don't talk. There's nothing. It's like a meditation. Yeah. You know, they have millions. They have more viewers than any people, anybody. You know, according to YouTube. So 
So several areas of, of Tucker is problematic. One of the things that no one remembers is that, you know, he talks about, well, I grew up in the media business. Well, what did his father do? His father, his father was the media guy for Papa Bush, probably one of the most evil things that ever, um, you know, manifested on this uh, sphere. Yeah, people and, who and know him directly, do? I just want to say this, people who know him directly, Bush, say that he was the most evil person they've ever met. I've heard that from many people yeah. who've worked with him. But anyways, keep going. Yeah, you know, and yeah, you go back to Kathy O'Brien's book and things like that, right? If you want verification. Well, well but even, yeah, that but gets in the so. MK Ultra and stuff. But I mean, people who were, you know, working not in not in the real ugly part, but just even in a political severe, will say the same thing. People who were in the same party, who worked in his administration, will tell you that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And and he was the first one to do the new world order thing out loud. Yes. Which yeah. now is coming back around, you know, in this latest um uh, iteration of Davos. Okay. So anyway, Tucker's father, as far as I know, um, was the person who took over NPR during the first Gulf War. And because they because that was the first time um that that um reporters, you know, were not embedded in units. They just, you know, here's the general came out to them every day and told them what happened. All right. That's where embedded reporters ended. Okay. So we're and if they were, they usually really didn't last long. We're going to control right. the narrative around this war so that everybody will support the war and we can keep exactly. the funding. That's that's what's happening. And so we don't want right. any, that's why they're killing all the reporters in Gaza. That's why they shut down all the reporters in Ukraine. There's only yeah. a handful that are actually able to get information right. out of there. And and that's all era. And they're all censored. Right. All the real ones. Right. Yes. And of course, what happened just happened to Gonzalo Lira. That's right. right. Well, there's been over almost 130 so, yeah. journalists now that, and they're not just murdered in Gaza. I mean, not as part of like, they're not just happened to be there when they bomb the, the place. They actually are targeted. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. A press badge is a death wish right now. There. Right now in that so, area. Yeah. So, Don't wear one. Yeah. It's kind of like the general or the the military officers would would not want people you don't call them an officer in camp combat and they don't wear things don't salute them you don't because then they'll target them and so there was always a rule when you're in combat the soldiers didn't salute them and you don't call them by that but everybody knew who they were um, otherwise they would have gotten killed and generals a lot of generals don't a lot of generals don't have the title of general because they don't want to be targeted hmm I think that's mm -hmm. interesting too. I've been told that. Yeah. By a well, lot of people. you know yeah. that. Well, that tells you everything, right? Yeah. You know, um, so his father was 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 the beginning. So Tucker's father was the beginning of the control system of what you know what was once you know the, like the embedded reporters in Vietnam who were bringing back what was actually going on in Vietnam, which was at times extremely horrific. Yeah. And but people knew. What was going on, and and especially the, the the you know the poor soldiers that had to that had to endure that in any war bad enough, um, so so that's Tucker's father, and you know so Tucker grew up in the in the bubble, right? Yeah, and it, you it, see it, him at times, you know, he was like claims he's now we shifted, and then the second Iraq War he went, and you know that changed his mind about war. He was rah rah for it. He says, right. Um, so, so Tucker's, you know, Tucker's a mixed bag, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. But the fact is, 
that then you've got recently that whole weird thing around Christmas time with Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey comes on in the character of I, f- I forget the show. You know, we did watch it at the time. Um, you know, but uh, he's uh, it was the president. I can't remember the name of it. House of Cards. It was a House of Cards, House Cards right? Which yeah. was actually the British version is better if you ever want to watch it. Um, you know, there was a repeat of a of a BBC show, okay. and um, a, lo- a lot less um, um, Macbethian, I guess. But it, it's in there. Um, so, so, but why would you have him on to really kind of lorded it over Tucker? Tucker didn't have anything. It was kind of reminding me of when um, John Stewart had Rumsfeld on or Obama on. You know, he was you know, Rums, you know, John Stewart was fearless, except when he came to these assholes that he couldn't call them on their shit at all. Um, or sorry. Um, the, I just um, can't care. I just can't air it on the radio. I, I've had uh, a, a, a few shows on. No, that's okay. I had a few shows. That's okay. I had a few shows on where, um, well, one in particular where one of the guests was saying shit and damn, right? And uh-huh. um, I didn't even notice that those were swear words that they were saying because you just, so those are like light swear words. It's still, I try not to swear ever, uh-huh. but I can't I air shows on I got a kind of a pushback. I got a pushback. Sarah, Sarah, you can't air this. You can't swear. I can say anything I want about almost anything, except I can't swear. <laughs> so uh, there's more freedom well, on the radio than YouTube. YouTube, you can swear. You can say the F word all day long, but you can't talk about the truth about vaccines. On the radio, I can't swear at all, right, but I can right, talk right, about right. the truth. It's weird, but right. you know, it is what it right. is. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. My, I grew up in, in Queens, New York. In a very Sicilian neighborhood, and probably a lot more mafia there than I realized growing up. But um, you know, and I lived in a family that you know, if we were out somewhere, and you know, someone cursed in front of my mother, my father would fight the person, and my father would, would just like, you know, there would there would be, and I've seen them, fights. You know, you weren't allowed to curse in front of the women. You know, mm. that was like this. It was a thing, right? And and uh, and then when I got older, my father had a gas station in Brooklyn, and so you know when I got to be, a, you know, a teenager, I used to go work at the gas station, and um, it was like the, the F word was like a comma, you know. Well, that's a, yeah, F word is yeah. nonstop I, in some people's I vocabulary. Never, I never heard my father say it, you know, until I got to the gas station, and everybody's F this, F that, you know. It was very funny. So but anyway. he wouldn't he wouldn't swear around his family, his his wife or his kids, which is good. No, he couldn't couldn't say it, it would be a fight. Mm-hmm. It would it would you know if you if you didn't apologize in a hurry, uh, you know my father was um, my father was a fool hustler at sixteen. He was a street boy in Brooklyn. He was, you know, so he was a great guy. He was a great guy. He was very funny. But anyway, so so that's my it's a little bit of my background. No, that's, that's so, excellent. Well, let's talk about a little bit about what your company does and the books that you have to offer and where they can get those. Okay. So I'll, I guess I'll send you the links if you're doing. Um, so it's logosophiabooks.com. L-O-G-O-S-O-P-H-I-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. So that's our the website. And there's also my wife and I have done a lot of podcasts. There's a there's a place where you can see our podcasts. We have about 30 books. Um, most of them are of a, a spiritual of what we call practical spirituality. 
All right. The last two books, well, the the um, two of the last books that are, this is the sad thing is like the only two books that ever made money for us were Elisa E's book um, called Our Life in MK Ultra, where it is like the most detailed description of what it's like to live with altars from from a spiritual perspective and it's like takes Kathy O'Brien's book and goes you know down down to the next field right um yeah and so, I um, interviewed her it was if people want to see that interview I'll, maybe if I can remember I'll put the link below otherwise you can go to sarahwestall.com yeah. search right. for Elisa Weeks and you'll find it so and and you know she's just an incredible person yeah, she is. Um, and the other one was another, uh, the, the other one that sold really well, unfortunately, is a woman who was, uh, her name is uh, Jean Hardigan Lehner, and she was involved, she ends up being showcased in a, in a Netflix series called The Keepers, and um, her, her, she was abused within a Catholic church in Baltimore in 1969 mm -hmm. and 70, and, um, and her nun, who said she would take care of it before summer vacation, next year come back and she's gone, no one knows where she is, and it, mm -hmm. And she was murdered by the priest. So she tried to stop it. Um, and it's, you know, both of these books though are about their recovery of how they recovered from this this abuse. And th in this instance, I think there was 30 something, 40, 40 maybe uh, teenage girls in this uh, Catholic high school um, that this was done to. And it never went anywhere because it was part of a ring with Baltimore, as you yeah, know, yeah. it was like the most yeah. corrupt city in America. Or one and, of them. Um, I think I think there's you know, other cities that have started moving up the chain of corruption. Like I would say yeah. that Minneapolis is quite up there now. But yeah. But yeah. okay, so well, you also are posting, so, so, you also have Miriam's book on George Floyd, right? So and that's those... coming out maybe in maybe in a couple months. Okay. Okay. It's it's in production now. It's a very long book and it is going to take a while to put it together There's all these images all evidence is is imaged in there i mean it's and it's i'm trying to keep it to under 600 pages but i don't i wow. think it's going to be she's put a ton over of work that. into that she put George an amazing book. amount of work in it so that's yeah. coming up um they're also doing a book by shona home shona home does mushroom journeys she's sort of the uh, the celtic poetic bardic um, Shona Holm has become a good friend of ours. She's like a, a world treasure. We have um, um, these wonderful um, uh, fantasy books by a woman named Mindy Meltz. We have the entire set. We uh, This took me three years to do, to edit, uh, of this uh, forgotten American master writer named Fitzhugh Ludlow. And he went to my college and uh, so became acquainted with him. He, it's like a seven volume set, including his biography. And he wrote, um, you know, he wrote a lot of stuff that ended up being like in magazines at the time. He was Charles Dickens, a fa favorite American writer, um, but he died very young. He was addicted to opium. Um, uh, like a lot of people, he was, you know, helping, especially during the Civil War. And then he spent like the end of his life trying to find ways to get people off of off of opium and it turned out that every cure that was being touted had opium in it somehow you know um so he's a real interesting uh real interesting character he, he wrote a, a book called the hashish eater and he which is the most famous one and was you know passed around a lot in the in the in the 60s and 70s and um he also wrote a book called across the continent which is about a stagecoach ride he took an 18 
64, I was like right on the eve of the Civil War uh, with Albert Bierstadt, who was this um, one of the, the, uh, the huge landscape painters of the time, like these massive landscape, he would paint things, you'd go out to Yosemite and, and paint these huge paintings. And, and um, so yeah, I would be a start with selling paintings for $20,000 in, uh, in 1870. So, you know, so, so he was, uh, and then he ended up stealing Fitzy's wife and it's a whole other crazy thing. But anyway, so we have a, a bunch of books, books of, of, about from uh, about biodynamic gardening. We have my first book called Catabatic Wind, um, which is about traveling to the under realms for spiritual wisdom. Mm. Talk about Orpheus, like the tale of Orpheus. In, in actuality, it. Orpheus get re rescues, you read to say, in the original versions. So you just get into other topics that you probably won't find in the mainstream book publishers. You have a lot of interesting topics that are just amazing. Uh, again, it's logosophia.com, and I'll have books. the link books. below. Logosophia books. Logosophia, Logosophia books. books. Yeah. And yeah. I'll have the link below. And what a fascinating discussion we had. So I appreciate you coming on. I know we're going to be talking a lot going, you know, we, we've been talking over the years because you have all these these books that you've been publishing. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that you have the courage to publish books that other publishers won't. So that I really appreciate. And thank you, because that takes oh, courage. Yeah, yeah. Well, to tell you, so this is, yeah, to tell you that, you know, I think you and I, just to show you how you get targeted. Um, so when, when Elise's book came out, like six of the first eight books that we had were completely cut open. The books flipped upside down oh. and then like horribly taped together. Every package that we got for mo several months was slid open. Okay. Because, because we published a book on MK Ultra, and I, and, and I thought I, I lost the zoom link today. Someone went into my, so my, uh, the logo Sophia emails on Gmail, right? Which now I'm realizing I have to get changed. You really need to get it <clears throat> off of there. Yeah. Somebody went in to my Gmail account and erase the entire thread between you and I. Between us two. Interesting. It's gone. It's yeah, gone. Gmail I went to look for the Zoom not, link for today. It's friendly with me. So it's never happened before. Every every email between the two of us sent and inbox disappeared. Gone. I guess I'm not surprised. Now, That's the, only the world reason I, that I've lived in for the last yeah. 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 So it's you know so this is what we're up against. They're little children, they're they've they've got nothing. Imagine you got a human life, and this is what you do with it. it's sad. That's a great point. It's, sad, it's like right? you have this human life. Do something better than that. Yeah. You know you exactly whatever right. you know, whatever right. you know. Go work in the post office, deliver mail. I don't know. Anything is better than what they're. Yeah. Stop right? contributing to the crime. Yeah. All right. It's, well, it's just it's, it's just sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, though. Thank you so much. Thanks for the courage. Thank you, and thanks for showing up on the program today. Thank you so much, Sarah. I enjoyed the, I was enjoying seeing you and having a conversation. It was wonderful.